Jesus says, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it's clear, right? Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who's giving the invitation? Jesus is. He is saying, come, come, come. So while it is true that we often get it wrong, probably sincerely, but sincerely wrong, it's still wrong. Thankfully, at Christmas time, there is a song that gets it right. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Come ye, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. You see how that song begins? Do you notice how it begins? It is a hymn of invitation. The overwhelming and unmistakable theme in that song is what? Come. Come to Christ. You come to Christ. In fact, in the first stanza there and the chorus, do you see the word come used seven times? Come, 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 come. I believe it's really picking up on those wise men. Matthew chapter 2, these wise men or magi might be in your Bible who are led to Jerusalem looking for this young son that has been born to this virgin Mary. And when they come to Jerusalem, they immediately go into the presence of King Herod. Now, because of other songs that we sing, we might think that there were three of these kings. Or perhaps you would think that they were kings. We three kings of Orient are. The Bible doesn't call them kings, and the Bible doesn't say it was three of them. Just says these magi. No, no doubt they were probably had some aspect of royalty to them, for the Bible seems to suggest to us that they just marched right into King Herod. And they come to King Herod and they come boldly. They go to the king who is Herod, who has the title as the king of the Jews, and they march into his presence, and they say to Herod, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We have come to worship him. Imagine that Herod is looking at them like, what? He who was born king of the Jews, brothers, y'all missed my birthday long time ago. Notice that these men were not from the nation of Israel, but these were the nations. These were the Gentiles. 
These were not Jewish magi. There were no such things. These were pagans. These were the Gentiles. These were from the unbelieving nations, and they now have received the sign of God to do what? Come. Come. Let the nations come. Let all the peoples of the earth do what? Come. Come. Come unto Jesus and worship him. They are called wise men. We are not told why they are wise men, perhaps. Perhaps people lined up to listen to them as they spewed forth their wisdom and directions for life. Perhaps they were just walking proverbial men full of pithy and witty statements like Lee Fowler. Just full of wisdom. Yet, I see their wisdom this morning, not in any of that, but I see their wisdom in the fact that they came to the one who is wisdom incarnate. There is nothing more wise than that you would come to him who is wisdom. They are wise men, beloved, because... They are looking for he who is incarnate wisdom. Which is why somebody said it. They said it right. Wise men are still coming to Jesus. And why do we come to Jesus? Why do we come to Jesus? Well, we come because as the, as the Magi tell us, we come to Christ because Christ is our king. Like the song says, the Magi came to Jerusalem to do what? To worship him, who, he who has been born king of, the song says, angels. That the Magi said king of the Jews. And they come to Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where the king should be. I mean, if he is the king of the Jews, then he must be in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the Jewish capital. That's where Herod was because that's where the king should be. And so naturally the Magi have been told there is one who has been born king of the Jews who is worthy of your worship. And they, oh, well, we must go to Jerusalem. And they go up to Jerusalem because they are going to worship a king. They came to the king. You know why? Because kings don't come to you. You don't invite kings. Kings do the inviting. If I sent an invitation for Christmas to the White House this morning and told President and Mrs. Obama that they are invited to Christmas dinner, I would not expect the Obama family to show up at my doorstep on Christmas morning. However, if the Carters got an invitation from the Obamas today 
we would show up at the White House gate with jingle bells on. You can believe that. You don't invite, you don't invite the king. The king does the invitation. You come. And when they heard that the king had been born, they came. They came, they came, they came because he was the king of the angels, as the song says. But he's more than just the king of the angels. He was king of the Jews. They came because he's king of the Jews. But, beloved, he's more than just the king of the Jews. But the Bible tells us over and over again, First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15, that he's not just king of the angels and king of the Jews, but he is king of all kings. And that's why we come, because he is the one, he's the only one worthy of all our adoration and praise, because he is the everlasting king. And therefore, when he says, come, we what? We come. Come, come, come and worship the king, he who has been born king of angels. He come. But not only do we, are we wise in coming because Christ is our king, we're wise in coming because Christ is our salvation. He is our salvation. We come to Jesus because we recognize our need of a savior. You come to Christ because you realize that sin in the world and in us has no solution apart from him. No solution apart from him. And this is important for us to understand, beloved, as we are celebrating Christmas. Because you do know what happens at Christmas time. The ugly reality of sin gets hidden. Because during the holiday season, we put on our best. We dress up our homes. We dress up our pets. We take trees from out in the forest, bring them into the house, and dress them up too. Think about that. Because at Christmas time, we put on our best. We like to cover up or have our minds taken away from the things of this world that are so awful and ugly and dreadful. And we give the impression that all is well. Now, beloved, all was not well when Jesus was born. All is not well now. This is the reason why he was born. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, when the angel came to Joseph, he didn't tell Joseph, Joseph, Mary is going to have a child, and it's going to be a holiday, and Christmas is coming. He says, Mary is going to bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Christmas was announced 
because of the ugliness of sin. Beloved, sin doesn't take a holiday. You and I do. But sin doesn't. We can dress it up as all we want to. We can sing the happy songs all we want to. But when we take a true look at ourselves and this world, sin is not on holiday. This is the reason why Jesus came into the world. He didn't come to give this world a holiday, he came, as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, the saying is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. He didn't come into the world to celebrate a holiday. He came to save you and I from our sins. He was born to die so that those who are dead might live. And therefore, as we celebrate the holiday, let us never forget to celebrate the one who saved us from our sin. The one who is saving us from our sin. The one who has promised that we shall be saved from all our sins. Come, 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 let us adore him who the Savior saving from what? Sin. Christmas means nothing if it's not Jesus saving from sin. It means nothing. Don't forget that this holiday. You're sitting around talking about Christmas. Don't forget, he came to save you from sin. Now come, let us adore him. Kneel down before him. Worship and adore him. Savior from sin. We come to Jesus because he is our king. We come to Jesus because he is our salvation. We come to Jesus because he is our satisfaction. He is our satisfaction. Wasn't it Mick Jacker and the Rolling Stones? I can't get no satisfaction. Though I try and I try and I try. Yes. Beloved, I am convinced that this should be the theme song of Christmas in the secular world. This is what people are doing as they're shopping all this week. They're walking the aisles of the mall, and what they're really saying is not, come, let us adore him. What they're really saying is, I can't get no satisfaction no matter how hard I try. <laughs> and they're right. The Bible says, 
Next time you're in the store and they're walking around, you just go up to them in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 2. He said, why do you spend your money for that which, ha- which is not bread? Why are you spending all this money for that which is not bread? And you labor for that which does not satisfy. The reason that we come to Jesus is because he alone is satisfaction. He alone is satisfaction. And that satisfaction, beloved, is not something that you can quantify. You can't put a price on it. You can't even really put a definition on it. Listen to R.C. Sproul this week, and he reminded me that um, if you were to ask my wife why she loves her husband, go up to her and say, you know, Adrian, why do you love Tony? She said, well, because he's handsome. <laughs> that is not that funny. say, yeah, I know, but, uh, you know, there's other handsome men around, you know. I'm sure that can't be the reason. Well, yeah, but, you know, he's smart. Yeah, that's probably true, but, uh, you know, there's other smart men around. That can't be the reason. She said, yeah, but he's a good leader. He leads our family well. Well, that's probably true, too, but uh, there's other men who are leaders and Better leaders than him, in fact. No, there must be something else to it. If you press her and press her long enough and you get past all those peripheral things, she'll she'll just break down and say, I love him because of the way that he makes me feel. He makes me feel like a natural woman. (laughs) I love him because of the way that he looks at me. I love him because I love to be in his presence. I love him because I can't quantify it and I can't explain it, but there's just something about having him with me. I love him because he is Tony. He is my husband. Why do you love Jesus? Why do you love Jesus? I love him because when others walk out, he walks in. I love him because when others say no, he says yes. I love him and adore him because he is pleasing to me. I love him and adore him because he is water for the thirsty. He is bread for the hungry. He is rest for the weary. He is company for the lonely. That's why I love him. I can't always explain it. I can't put a price on it. I can't quantify it. But I know that I love him. And I love 
being in his presence. And I love knowing that he's there because I love the way that he touches me. It was Thomas Aquinas who, who said to the one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. But to the one without faith, no explanation is possible. He can't explain it. If you don't know him, you won't understand what I'm saying. But if you know him, no explanation is really needed. Because he is satisfaction. That's why we say, I come to Jesus because can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Beloved, what happens then? What happens when you come to Jesus? I mean, when you, when you get the revelation of who he is and you come like these magi did, when you come, what happens? And you find satisfaction in him. What do you do? Well, beloved, You tell others to come and do the same. You hear the refrain of the song? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. When you find that satisfaction in Jesus, when you come to him and he fills your soul and your heart with joy unspeakable and a love that is unexpressible, you go to others and you tell them also, come. Come, let us adore him. Why did the wise men come? The wise men went to worship Christ. Because, beloved, they thought that's what everybody was doing. Do you get, do you see the sense? Why would they dare come to Jerusalem, stand in the presence of Herod, who is king of the Jews, and say, hey, We're here to worship the one who has been born king of the Jews. It wasn't that they were trying to offend Herod. They thought everybody was worshiping the king of the Jews. They were late. And they were like, where's the party? We have come to join in with the party. Why wouldn't they, beloved? I mean, really. This should, this, should, this should boggle your mind. When you come to know satisfaction in Jesus Christ, when you come to know that he is Lord of lords and king of kings and, and, and he is the one, the only one worthy of our praise and adoration, it should boggle your mind that other people would hear songs of Christmas sung, hear the words of Christ being proclaimed, and they not want to worship him too. Why not? Have you not heard? Have you not seen? It's Jesus. Why wouldn't you? Amazing. You sing those songs and don't know him? You hear of the testimony of Christ and don't worship him? 
Are you kidding? Come, 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 let us adore him. I invite others to do the same, beloved. This is, this is the testimony of Scripture. This is what we do. You remember? You remember in John chapter 1, verse 45? When Philip came to know who Jesus was, what does Philip do? He went back and he found Nathaniel. And he says to Nathaniel in verse 45, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And what does Nathaniel say? Come on, Philip. You got to be kidding. Can't be anything good coming out of Nazareth. And what does Philip say? He says, Come. You come and see. You just come. Isn't that the testimony of the woman at the well? She came in contact with a man for the first time in her life. She had a conversation with a man, not a male, but a man. And as he talked with her and as he touched her heart and her mind, She went back into town, and what did she say? Chapter 4, verse 29. Come and see a man. Come and see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Come and see. Come. Come, let us adore him, kneel down before him, worship and adore him. Come. A lot of times, beloved, that's all you need to say. People want to question you and ask you about Christ, and they ask you questions you may not know the answers to. Just look at him and say, just come. Come and see. I don't know. You just come and see. Come and hear. Come, listen, dare to believe. You come, come, come. Not only do they invite others to come, but you know what? Those who have found this satisfaction and come to know the satisfaction in Jesus, you know what else they do? They want Jesus to come again. Can't get enough. Can't get enough. They want Jesus to come again. So they say, come, Lord Jesus, come Come, come, Lord Jesus, come. You know, we sing the song, Oh, come, all ye faithful. Have you thought about this for a moment? There is none more faithful than Jesus. He is faithful, the Bible says. That is his name, faithful. And so when we say, come, all ye faithful, what are we saying, beloved? We ought to be also not only just calling others to come to Christ, but we also ought to be praying, Lord Jesus, come. Come, come, come. Because you do know the first coming was just the beginning. I mean, don't get stuck on Christmas. The first coming was just the beginning, The point of the first coming is the guarantee that the second one would happen. And so whenever we're sitting around and singing and celebrating Christmas, we must never stop there. But our desire must always be for the one who came in weakness to come again in power. 
That baby who was born in a manger grew up, gave his life on a cross, rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and has promised to come again and receive all of his beloved unto himself. And what do his beloved say? Come, Lord Jesus, come, come, come. The promise of Christmas, beloved, is that Christ is coming again. He's coming again. This is the anthem of the church. You know, that's how the Bible ends. Revelation chapter 22, the very last verses of the Bible. Verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And those who are thirsty, they come to him who is the water of life. And when they are satisfied in him, what do they say? Come again, Lord. Fill us again, Lord. Satisfy us again, Lord. Come. Jesus says in response, surely then I am coming again soon. Having heard that, the church says, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come. That's our anthem. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. That's our motivation. That's why we live the way we live, because we want the Lord to come. That's why we preach the gospel, because when every soul that gets saved is one step closer to what? The Lord coming. That's why we live lives that are holy and try to be blameless and walk in the light of God's word, because we want to hasten his coming. That's why we live like we do because we want the Lord to come. 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 Let us adore him. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Come ye. Come ye to Bethlehem. And there you find the king who came, but the king who has promised to come again. Let the church say, come. Let the church say, come. Let the spirit and the bride say, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come.